All right, Mike, do you like chicken? Do I like chicken? Yeah, fried chicken, grilled chicken, chicken. Yeah, I could mess with chicken. You like Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Well, Chick-fil-A is now the third largest restaurant chain in America. McDonald's and Starbucks should be terrified. If they were open on Sundays, they would be number one, I bet. <laughs> that is funny. So, uh, read this article in Entrepreneur Magazine. Chick-fil-A is now the third, third largest restaurant chain in America. And uh, McDonald's and Starbucks should be terrified. So, they just came up from number seven. And basically, their whole 2018 moved them from seven to three. So, they passed uh, Wendy's, Burger King, Taco Bell, and Subway. Wow, even Wendy's? Yeah. Like Wendy's is on the top of that. Yeah. I feel like Wendy's should be past fucking McDonald's. Yeah. I mean... I'm just not a fan of McDonald's, but... But, yeah, I mean, I feel like Chick-fil-A has just been popping up all over the place. Yeah. Even so around here, there's in, multiple ones. In 2018, they had $10.46 billion in, t- in sales. Um, McDonald's is still the biggest with $38.52 billion. Starbucks is in second with $20.49 billion. So they moved up from number seven, like I said. Um, their sales grew 16.7% in 2018. They used to have $8.97 billion. Um and experts say there's no reason to believe Chick-fil-A's growth will slow anytime soon. If anything, Starbucks should be worried it could lose its silver medal. What do you think? I mean... What do you think at the end of 2019? Right now, I would kill someone for some waffle fries and uh, a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. They are really good. <laughs> Dude, their waffle fries we are should unbelievable. Go. Do you want to go right now? Yeah, I'm starving. All right, let's go. I haven't eaten all day today. Um, I, I'll be honest. I've only eaten at Chick-fil-A like three times, but it's so good. Yeah. I like it better... I definitely like it better than McDonald's, but I still like, I think, either Burger King or Wendy's better. Well, even just the way you get treated when you go in there. Yeah. I've know? actually never been in. Oh, one. if you go inside, everyone's like, oh, how's your day? It's yeah. like, oh, everything's bright and happy and yeah, like the yeah. way they treat you. And I was reading something online that said, in order to own a Chick-fil-A franchise, you have to work there for a certain amount of years. So they get to so, know you. Yeah. So like you learn the process from the inside yeah, out. So yeah. you can't just go out and buy one. So yeah, I think yeah. that has a lot to do with people being so friendly. That uh, that has something to say about the company. Like they don't just let any random schmuck who wants to like make a bunch of money buy a place. Yeah. You got to work yeah. there. That's yeah. interesting. So Chick-fil-A is uh, on the rise. Damn. Well, now that you got me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um I got a story here. Yep. Uh, it's a little bit of a little bit of a read. You know, okay. I'm, I'm going to try my best. That's uh, not the greatest reader, but <laughs> the story is unbelievable. Um, so it was it's told from uh, the perspective of a father, mm-hmm. and I'll just get right into it. This story is deeply personal for our family, for our, our oldest son in particular, but it's a story he's letting me tell because it's a story he wants people to hear. It says, my son Max was born in Detroit in 1997, and he spent the next two summers in Hong Kong when I was interning at Fidelity Investments. We finally moved to London before he was two, and I accepted an offer to work for FIDO there full-time. FIDO might, must be a capital company. Okay. He was an amazing child and became an amazing young man, but he had his demons. And just before he turned 16 years old, those demons arrived with a vengeance. Imagine all the things you don't want to happen to your teenager. They happened to him. For three years, my wife and I would wait on a front stoop until 5 a.m. in the shadows of the Albert Bridge, hoping that he would come home. On those nights, most of the times he didn't. We would call the hospitals, we'd call the police, and sometimes the police would call us. We tried everything that parents try, and we were very lucky that we could afford to try just about everything. And we did, but none of it helped. The change in schools didn't help, the psychologist didn't help, the wilderness therapy didn't help. Our closest friend and extended family all waited in too, but nothing helped. Max didn't want to be here. He didn't feel a sense of belonging anywhere. His self-esteem was non-existent. The anxiety was paralyzing, and he, also, he often comp- contemplated ending it all. Only the thoughts of the impact of his three younger siblings preventing him from doing so. It was a living hell for Max, and honestly, it was a living hell for our family too. There was nothing we could do about it. The most difficult thing for me and my wife was to accept that only Max could make these choices it wasn't up to us we couldn't save him just over two years ago today he realized that the scene in london was poisonous for him and he asked if he could head out he asked before and we let him go to different destinations but the grass wasn't greener in any of them and we didn't honestly expect anything to come of this but told him that we'd pay for the flight because he really needed to get out of london and there was almost no way things could get any worse he chose costa rica A friend, a good guy of his, was backpacking there and invited him to the hostel. 
I told Max we'd pay for the flight in the first week, but if he wanted to stay there, he'd have to get a job and support himself. We honestly didn't know what to expect, but it felt like the last shot for him. He loved it there for the first week and indeed got a job working at one of the hostels. After the honeymoon was over, his anxiety started to set in. His depression set in. At darkest point, he almost called it. And there's nothing we could do about it. Even if we were 5,000 miles away, there's still nothing we can do about it. But for some reason, he decided not to. Max decided to stay in the game. We learned later that he found an eight-week-old puppy roaming the streets of Santa Teresa. The dog had been abused, was eating from scraps from the trash, and was terrified of people. But Max and the dog, which he named Chica, connected with each other. Max and Chica became inseparable. Max, who is now 19, started to realize that he, that he had something to offer for this world. Chica needed help, and Max was there to provide it. Max started doing adult things, like earning and saving money so that he could take Chica to the vet for checkups and vaccination. And Chica started getting healthy, and Max started getting healthy. I could hear it in his voice when he would call. There was an excitement about life and the future that I heard that I hadn't heard since he was 14 years old. He was starting to get his groove back. On one of the phone calls, he told me that he wanted to leave Costa Rica. He said, "As well, even though I miss you guys, I don't think I should come back to London. I want to go somewhere where I won't be tempted by, by my old habits, but where I could feel at home and restart everything, he said, somewhere like Georgia or Indiana. He said Georgia or Indiana because he was vaguely familiar with both. I grew up in Indiana and moved to Atlanta where I lived for several years and ultimately met my wife, Max's mom. So he chose Indiana. My wife and the uh, other kids flew over to help him get settled into a new apartment and they got to meet Chica finally. <laughs> and before we knew it, Max was working a full-time job, not doing any of the bad stuff he used to. He still had his demons, as he always will, but he just learned to manage them. Things were no means perfect yet, but they were on their way. He could work through the anxiety and work through the depression because he had responsibilities now. He had Chica. One afternoon, three months after moving to Indianapolis, when Max was walking Chica, she saw something she hadn't seen in Costa Rica. It was a squirrel. <laughs> and before Max could stop her, Chica chased that squirrel straight out into Indiana Avenue, right into the front of a speeding car. The car ran over Chica. My son screamed. In, the, in that brief moment, Everything that Max had worked for, everything he had overcome, everything that he was living for was gone. But the blow didn't kill the dog. The driver that hit Chica sped off and left her half dead crying in the middle of the road. But the next car did stop. It was a young black kid. A young black kid who saw a white kid on his knees in the middle of downtown Indianapolis. His name was Kenny. He opened the door, got out of his car, walked up to my son and said, hey, I got you. He then walked Max out to the middle of the road picked up the bloody Chica and put him into the back of Kenny's car. Turns out Kenny just had moved to Indiana. He had grown up in down in Georgia. Wow. And he had been traveling around a bit and recently lost his job up north. He found an offer for a position down in Indianapolis and was just starting to work there. It was uh he was apprenticing at his new shop and was hoping to make a permanent employee. He was only twenty one years old. But none of that mattered to Kenny at the moment. What mattered to Kenny was Chica and my son Max. So Kenny looked up a vet clinic on his phone and took Max and Chica there. The vet said that without surgery, Chica would die. But the vet wasn't a surgeon, so they needed to go elsewhere. Kenny had stayed with him throughout this whole thing. He could have left, but instead he stayed. He took Max to the surgeon, took Max and Chica to the surgeon, and so that they could get the surgery done. The vet did the surgery. It worked. Chica lived. Her pelvis was broken, but over the next six months, Max nursed her back to health. Without Kenny, none of this would have happened. Kenny even stayed in touch with Max afterward. afterwards. He would text and see how Chica was doing and how Max was doing. This last Thanksgiving, about one year since the incident, Kenny even got some tickets to go see the Colts play and then uh. took him out to dinner afterward. Max is doing great now. He's been working full-time, got super healthy, started running marathons, is now on a good path. These were his choices. They had to be, and he did it. But it almost didn't turn out this way. Kenny made sure he stayed on that path. This guy, Kenny... I want to reach out and give him the biggest hug he ever got. I want to tell him he's special. I want to thank him for saving Chica's life. I want to thank him for saving my son's life. Oh, and as a follow-up, we got some news about Kenny in this past week. Kenny not only got that job offer, he got a nice long contract with it. Kenny Moore, from Georgia, just signed a four-year contract with the Indianapolis Colts, and he's going to be the highest-paid corner slot in the NFL, a deal that is going to pay him at least $30 million what? over the next four years. Good things happen to good people. 
So I, I know, I know that was super long, Holy and my reading is awful. Shit. But that, like, that story is unbelievable. Oh my god, dude! I'm yeah. sitting over here with like goosebumps. I can visualize that whole. Could thing. you actually understand me <laughs> reading? Yeah. It? <laughs> Holy shit! That's my Exeter education coming in for a reading. But yeah, this the message behind that is unbelievable. I I found this on a. AlbertBridgeCapital.com. I don't know what it looks like. A, so that's a real story. Yeah, true story. It looks like it's like a financial Kenny Moore, institution. He's really, he really plays for. Yep, them. he just got signed. What? Yeah, three hundred or uh, thirty million over four years. That's not bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, man! Wow. Yeah. So it goes to show you, you know, you never know who you're gonna run into. You know, you wow. him. Clearly, Kenny Moore probably had no idea by saving yeah, this yeah. dog and helping this kid out. He was saving his entire life. But yeah, yeah. just a little act of kindness, you know, can change a lot. <sighs> Damn, that's crazy. All right, well, fuck it. Let's get into this interview. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got nothing else to say. Uh, this is a special episode with uh, Gabriella Silvestri. Um, and uh, it's going to be a real good one. If you're a hair salon or uh, you own one or you're a stylist, you're really going to love this one. Or just a business owner in general. She's got some really cool... Yeah. Uh, little lessons in there yeah um, absolutely um definitely a good one uh so keep listening um before we get into that this interview is brought to you by dev hero dev hero is a local audio engineer and web developer here in rhode island uh check him out at dev-hero.com or uh, on instagram at at dev hero llc and uh tell him mike and mike said hello so today is a very special episode of up in your business we're on Number 18 now, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? 18. 18? Yep. Yeah, 18. 18. Cool. Uh, so today is a very special episode. We have the one and only Gabriella Silvestri in here today. Uh, Gabriella is uh, my girlfriend's mom, and <laughs> she is also a business owner, uh, a mother, and a wife. Uh, so Gabriella is the owner of Salon Du Jour. Uh, it is a... I'm going to let you explain what the salon is. Okay. And all I know is it's a hair salon. <laughs> it you is, go ahead. <laughs> it is a hair salon. Yeah. We do do nails and waxing, mm-hmm. um, mostly facial waxing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we specialize in different kinds of cuts. Uh, we specialize in diva cuts, which is for curly hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do the updos for weddings. We um, do every other yeah. thing you can think of. With Pretty much hair. everything. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And you've been uh, doing this for how long? We've been doing this. I've been doing it for 32 years, yep. and uh, we've been open for 29. Wow, good. It's a long time. Yep. Um, so the first part of our show is called 20 Questions. Sure. And so there's not actually 20, but it's like rapid fire. So just don't think, just answer really fast. Okay. All right? Favorite color? Blue. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Left or right? Right. Pick a number, 1 to 10. 8. Ooh, favorite number? <laughs> Favorite number. Oh, oh, sorry. Favorite number, yep. uh, four. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite liquor? None. Uh, iced coffee or hot coffee? Iced coffee. Steak or chicken? Chicken. Or, or uh, you can't have either of these. I was going to say Oreo or Chips Ahoy. <laughs> no. uh, favorite vegetable? Uh, broccoli. Uh, work from home or in an office? Work at the salon. This for you, yeah. Your biggest inspiration or role model? Um, I would probably say... My daughter. Awesome. Uh, last time you ran a mile, walked a mile, or close? Uh, probably about a week ago. Cool. Ding, 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 ding. That's it. <laughs> All right. So are we going to get into it now? Are you ready? Sure. You're in the hot seat. Sure. All right. So um, just tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, and what your childhood was like. Okay. Um, I was born in Portugal, the Azores. Uh, I was there until I was nine years old. My parents moved here for better opportunities for their children uh, in 1972. And uh, we lived in the Providence area. I went to um, Catholic schools in Providence. And then we moved to East Providence in 76. Been there ever since. Opened my business in 89. Um, was a secretary before that at an insurance company <laughs> That's funny. and always wanted to be a hairstylist. Yeah. So, um, after I got married, I got married at 20. Um, my husband was like, you know what? You really want to do that? Do it. I support you a hundred percent. So I ended up going to, um, school part-time and working full-time. Yeah. And then it, we switched it around 
going to school full time and working part time. And uh, and I worked at a salon for three years and then I decided to open my own. Wow. And I've been there ever since. That's crazy. How much of the Azores do you remember? Uh, I remember a lot because we've been going back Mm -hmm. a lot. So uh, the first time I went there, I was 17 and everything seemed very small. Because I had remember. left, yeah, I had left, I was nine. Yeah. Yeah. So everything that I thought was so big, the streets and my house, everything was small. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So what was it like growing up there? Um, like, uh, I guess compared to, did you start school there? Yes. Okay. So what, was, would, what was it like, like growing up there and then coming here? Uh, let's see. It was very simple. Okay. It was a simple life. I there. was there until third grade. Okay. And when we would think of uh, America or Canada, we thought that it was just this beautiful place. What we like, what we imagined yeah. was that you were going to this place that had like candy everywhere and <laughs> and gum and everything was so big. Um, so when I did get here, um, the first experience was going under the tunnel in Boston. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, what in the world is this? Yeah. It was just like so weird. Yeah. Um, and then when we got to our apartment, we, li- we lived in the second floor. And I had never really seen a house that was two floors. Oh, okay. Because we were all like one level. If they're like all our, like flats. Yeah. Or your bedrooms would be upstairs or something. Yeah. And it was just the weirdest thing. It was like, wow, this is where we're going. Hmm. This is just so different. Yeah. And then you just got used to it. And then the first time I saw snow, um, it was strange because I had a little red coat on and I saw like flakes on my coat. And I'm like, what in the world is this? People might be doing like corn or something. I don't know. And then it started (laughs) melting. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. And then everybody was like, oh, it's snowing. And it was just, wow, this is what snow looks like. What? I actually have no idea. What is the climate like in Portugal? Um, is it pretty much warm like year round? It's it's tropical. Yeah. Yeah. Summer it probably gets in the 80s. Okay. Um, and then the winter, maybe the coldest is 40s. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not Have you learned all. to love the snow? Or do you still like the um, warmer weather? It's it's okay. Twice a year, <laughs> yeah. it's good. <laughs> yeah. When it's slow, yeah. Yeah. Um, when it gets to be too much, then no. I'd yeah. rather not. Then yeah. you just hop on a cruise and cruise yeah. away, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's true. That's right. She's away for half the winter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, the Azores, was it is like where you grew up, was it like city or was it more like... A, it was a like village. A, oh, it was a village. Okay. Yeah. And so a, you came to Providence, which is a city. What part of Providence was it? Um, Fox Point. Yeah. Was there was, a reason why you guys left the Azores? Because our parents wanted uh, better opportunities for the, for their children, okay. um, and at the time there was a war going on, and they didn't want the boys to go to war, yeah. so they were still young enough that they could come to another country and not have to go. So um, they felt that it was a good time to move. Wow. Yeah, because you have siblings, right? Yes, I have t- uh, three. Three, a girl yep. and two boys. Okay. And um, where are you in there? I'm like the older brother? You're the youngest? Yes. Okay, just like me. Yes. Um, <laughs> so how old were your brothers? So they were... My brother, my oldest brother was 18. My sister uh, yeah. was 15. And my other brother was 12. So your brothers were, well, at least the 18-year-old, like he was, you he know, was just old enough to get yeah, into the military. We had to leave before August and we left July 29th. Wow. Yeah. Gotten a little close there. That's yeah. crazy. Did they my ha- parents loved being there. Right. Yeah. Good. It's just for, for, it was for their kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what did they do for work? My dad was a salesperson for um, wood and fruits mm-hmm. and things like that. And my mom was a homemaker. Did they have like a plan when, when they were leaving, like where they were going to go, what they were going to do? Yeah. Because okay. my my dad's sister sponsored us to come. Okay. So she was she, already here. She was already here. She had been sponsoring all her siblings. Mm-hmm. So we were probably the maybe fifth one to come. And she would set up a house for like each one that came. Yeah. Um, everything was already set up when we got here. Oh, like wow. we had beds, we had everything. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. Though. No. So did you have to take the immigration test or what is it, the citizenship test and I all did. that stuff? Yeah. I did. Yeah. I uh, did. When how I are the was, questions on that? Um, 
it wasn't that bad i was already like in my i would say probably 22 um and the questions were like um who's your president about the amendments about um uh like governors and like congress i mean there's a lot of questions that even as Americans, you probably don't even know it. Yeah. yeah because sure. you just don't have to know it. Yeah. yeah. Were and, you nervous going in? Um, not really, because I, I was sure of myself. Right. I, I thought I was well prepared. Yeah. So I was okay. Yeah. yeah. And I did well. It was fine. And and the the guy was like, What took you so long? Like, I don't know. I just never really thought about it. <laughs> so, yeah. That's funny. And what was the transition like um when you first came here? Like was it tough, like learning a new language and learning um, like a new culture and everything? Yeah, I think that it probably took me about a year mm-hmm. um, to learn. But um, the, I would have little instances of like with the translation, it was it was strange. Yeah. So like, for example, my mom one day sent me to the store yeah. to go buy, to go buy thread. OK, so in Portuguese, you say so the transition is line yeah right unfortunately it's linha so i went to the store and my mom you know to get the thread and i said to the guy um oh i'd like to get some line and the guy's like what do you mean line i said well line for my mom to sew and he's like oh honey that's thread not line i'm like oh okay Uh, but in portuguese it's line the word the word translating is line yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, uh, so that's one that I usually remember. Yeah, that but, um, that happened. But no, I didn't think it was that hard mm-hmm. um, to learn the language. And then, what was schooling like when you started here? So when I started, I would have Portuguese all day. Oh, okay. And one hour of English. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and then as I went to sixth grade, yeah, um, it was English all day, so it was harder. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't have that cushion of you yeah. know the portuguese but it, tur- it all turned out okay yeah, yeah. i would have never guessed that english is a second language to you because yeah. it just spe- you speak it so well yeah. yeah yeah it's because i like i was young enough yeah. right so to learn it yeah. yeah yeah i speak pretty good portuguese do you no yeah. <laughs> <Terrible>. <laughs> I, we'll teach I do, you a few words yeah, yeah what i do is i've learned a little bit but what i do is i say it in spanish and it's yeah. pretty close so then they kind of get it. <laughs> yeah, it is very. <laughs> I'm close. working on it. <laughs> um, so you you went over it a little bit, but tell tell me again about um, the kind of jobs you had growing up because um, you know some people who are self employed or start their own business like some of them uh, work you know odd jobs until they can afford to, um, and other times people just jump right into starting their own business. So what was it like for you? All right, so when I was um, growing up, I actually started out, um, I was 16 years old at a factory. Okay. Yeah, I would um, go to school and then go work at a factory. And then um, when I graduated high school, I went to um, CCRI and I took secretarial. So after I graduated, I worked at at an insurance company. So I was like a, a raider type of underwriter there. And it wasn't my thing. I always felt like I wanted to do hair. Yeah. So that's when we came to the um, conclusion that I should go to school for hair. Yeah. And um, so that's when we did the transition. Then I worked at a salon for three years and um, and I did well. I got like a, a full clientele within three years. Wow. wow. Um, so once I was like well grounded and well established, I'm like, OK, I think I can do this on my own. Yeah. So uh, myself and two other partners got together and uh, we opened up Salon du Jour. Then one of the partners got married and uh, she moved to New Hampshire. So it was just another person and I, a guy. Mm -hmm. And then um, probably about 15 years ago, he wanted to do it on his own. Mm -hmm. So he opened up his own place and I stayed with Salon du Jour. And um, it's been great. So what, um, where did the, the last partner go? Do you know? He opened uh, in Seekonk. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you still like yeah. stay in touch or oh, anything? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, yeah. good. Oh yeah. We see each other. What, um, what would you say is the biggest, um, differences or, or like comparisons between owning a business with, uh, partners and then, you know, now being 15 years on your own, like what is, what is that like? Um, 
it's I would say it's better because you can make your own decisions. Yeah. Um, every time I made a decision, I had to run it by him. Of course. And we had we got along very very well, mm-hmm. but we had totally different taste. Hmm. So. You know, like if I wanted something, then he would talk me out of it yeah. or if or even vice versa. You know, like if it was him, too, and I didn't think it was a good idea. Yeah. You always had to check with each other. And yeah. I think that's how it worked for us, because we never really did anything without the other one agreeing. Sure. So which I think is kind of how you have to run like yeah. a partnership or something like that. Like, um, you know, obviously Mike and I deal with that. Like I can't just go buy like a some crazy thing you'd be like yeah i just got this thing it's gonna really help us yeah. and he's like what the hell are we gonna do with the piano like, <laughs> <laughs> well I, I also think too me and mike are very different people mm-hmm. so by going to him and being like hey should we get this what do you think about this you get a whole different perspective on how to look yeah. at something so yeah. i think that's very helpful too yeah yeah, yeah it, is. it is have you ever hit a, a point where um maybe like you're you're doing it on your own and maybe there were some things about having a partner that were like helpful, like as far as like running the business. Cause I think that's a big thing we've always talked about is like being able to share the responsibilities of like Mike can really handle the finances and make sure all our books and numbers are in order and I can kind of handle the marketing and the social media and make sure that's in order. Like, is there stuff like that that, um, you know what there is, but my staff is wonderful. Yeah. I have a great staff. Um, they help me a lot. And everything that I do and usually I will talk to them about like certain yeah. things if I do have ideas and I do ask for their input yeah um, almost as if they're kind of partners uh, yeah but yeah it probably I makes include, them feel included yeah, yeah. I try yeah. to include them in everything yeah um, because I mean at the end of the day it's their it's their their workplace their but workplace really as well. it's 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 almost like it's theirs because if I'm not there they're the ones that are running it yeah. So, and it's not like you're I, there seven days a week. No, I'm not. Yeah. And and I'm trying to not to be there as much as yeah. I used to. Yeah. Um, and if you have getting people, on all these cruises, that's right. Taking that's vacations, right. of course. You earned it. Yeah, exactly. I did. I did. Um, there, I have to say, I have the best staff. That's great. Yeah. What is uh like? I always ask this when business owners come through. Do you have Do you have any like? Uh, different hiring processes you go through in order to weed out certain people or to find a certain trait in someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good or is it kind of like your gut? Um, actually, it, it's been my gut. And um, I do look at their schooling. I do look at how long that, they, that they've been, let's say that they're at a salon. I usually will, you know, ask around, okay. see what they're, what they are as a person yeah and then um i have them do a haircut for me um before i do hire them i want to see what their skills are who do they do it on it doesn't matter they can bring a model oh okay gotcha. yeah they usually bring a model do it on you next and i usually watch um so and i go through a series of questions yeah. with them um like with the last person that i hired she was a young kid and um, she was still in high school. She had taken um, cosmetology in high school. And I was like the person that worked with me at the time. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a t- chance on her. Yeah. Um, my gut tells me she's going to be good. And yeah. sure enough, it's been five years and she's great. Wow. She's done awesome. Deborah. So, yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and the proof is I, in the pudding. It yeah. It works. And then um, I have Tom. He's awesome as well. He he's my computer guy. Yeah. He you know like with he, like he can fix anything. Yeah, yeah. So it's great. And then we have Marlene, and she's wonderful as well. Um, she keeps up with the salon. Yeah. And they're all great stylists. It's so definitely a good lucky. mix. It's yeah. definitely a good mix of people and like mix of personalities. Like you know when I've been there for meetings or even when we're there for haircuts, like. Are all very different in their own ways, but uh, but I think it all is like a really good mix, like you said. Like, yeah, Marlene is her own person, and then Tom is does his thing, and uh, you know, it's just a good mix, yeah. And it's it even is. when I walk in, and I know they know Mike a little bit better because of the connection, but they're still everyone's hi, how you doing? Yeah. It's like yeah. everyone, it's a big family, it feels oh, yeah. like when you're walking in there. Oh, yeah, we are, we are a big family, yeah. and we try to make our clients part of that family, yeah. um. 
you know, and we try to welcome everybody. It doesn't matter if it's somebody else's client. We all, hi, how are you? And, yeah. you know, like make them feel welcome. And you do have a lot of people that are just customers that come every every six weeks oh, yeah. on the mark, like oh, yeah. regulars. Every and, four to six. Yeah. Yep. Just like us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you ever go through like, uh, like a bad hire where you hired someone and they were, they ended up, you know, your gut was like, oh, they're good. And they ended up not. Yeah. 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 What was that like? Was it, um, were you quick to fire or I gave it, them a chance Yeah. and, um, and then I had to get rid of them. It yeah. was hard. That's the hardest part of being an, an owner yeah. when you have to get rid of someone cause you feel bad, yeah. but you don't want somebody to bring every, everybody else down in yeah. the salon. Yeah. So, um, there's a guy I follow who talks about like hiring and firing and, he always says that if there's like a bad hire, they can be like cancer to the company. Yes. And as bad as you can feel about them, they're going to hurt every other employee That's if you right. don't get rid of them fast That's enough. Right. And at That's the end right. of the day, it's your name on the uh, exactly. building too. Yeah. Um, that happened one time with uh, a person that I had hired and, um, you know, I had done the, the usual. She gave the haircut. I watched everything. Everything was good. Yeah. And then um, like when she had to do someone the way she blew dried the hair it was like oh my god okay then she pulled um the thing that she didn't show up for work oh like, that's okay and i called that person and i'm like what's going on oh i'm really sick and today you have to be so careful with social media you look at facebook and oh, they're out no. <laughs> they weren't like, sick were they <laughs> oh man yeah it's a quick way to lose your job right yeah, there. exactly exactly oh my god that's funny <laughs> Have you ever given a haircut, whether it was beginning, uh, when you first started and when you were just like, oh man, I really messed that up myself. No. Yeah. Like to someone else, like, like giving a haircut. Yeah. Um, or you're always able to kind of fix it. I probably at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that happened. Like say you had a boss looking over your shoulder oh, yeah. and you're going yeah. in for a job interview. Like that's hard. Yeah. It's hard. When somebody's watching you, the pressure's on. The pressure is on. Yeah. yeah. Now, like, I don't, it doesn't really bother me. It's been like 30 years. Um, but for someone new, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. Or even when somebody cuts my own hair, mm -hmm. it's like I'm always giving directions do it like this, do it like that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the hardest to cut another stylist because yeah. we all know what we want. True. So, That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I have a good question. Um, so the salon's been open for what you said, 29 years? 29. So Monica's 26. Mm -hmm. What was it like really like starting the business right while she's growing up? Like what was that like having to, I mean, because we both know like you have to work long yeah. nights. Obviously with cutting hair, I'm sure there's some similarities, but nobody's getting their hair cut at 10, 11 p.m. Right. But there's still stuff you're doing to help build the business up how was was it tough like what was the kind of balance and maybe talk about how john helped and yeah um and her growing up while that was happening it, it was hard but i was able to uh, make my schedule to accommodate her yeah so what i would do would be on like let's say a monday and a tuesday i would work um at night mm -hmm. when my husband would come home after he worked after he worked yeah. so he would take care of her and then um so i did that like monday tuesday wednesday thursday um i would work in the morning and my mom would watch her in the morning and then i was off on fridays and then mm -hmm. saturdays he was home oh okay so it worked out when she was young it, um it was hard because she didn't want me to go to work yeah, that was yeah, a, yeah. that was her thing mom please don't go to work yeah, please don't yeah. go to work but um we balanced it yeah it was good john was awesome he yeah. was a hands-on dad yeah yeah so whatever i did he could do yeah um and then my mom would have her on thursday mornings yeah. and that was like her choice she wanted to have her yeah on thursday mornings and uh so she because she lived with me so it was convenient um that she was right there so it, it, it worked out yeah. and you know and then once she started um school like i she went to daycare yeah two days a week um just for just for socialization um it was good it, it all it, you know what you balance it yeah, yeah. You figure yeah. Out a way. so it was yeah, really a good balance between oh, yeah. you and john and it just worked out well yeah 
Yeah. Speaking of Monica, um, how come she never got into any kind of hairstyling? Or yeah, right. Did you like kind of think she would eventually take over the business? It's funny. Um, I discouraged her of that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That was her thing. I want to be a hairstylist just like you, mom. And I'm like, you know what? No, you don't. It's wow. hard. No. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm glad you asked that. That's yeah. interesting. It's hard on your body. Yeah. You know, and, like, and, and to get started, I was lucky to get a clientele by three years. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a long time, like yeah. seven, eight years to get a full clientele. So you got to hustle um, in order to, to, to make it. Yeah. So I always said to her, you know what? Try to do something in the medical field. Really? Because, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, and did she, after you said that, did she naturally kind of gravitate towards that? Or did she look into it and then she really enjoyed it? Or No, when, uh, when she was growing up, I had her work for me yeah um i had her shampooing i had her to receptionist work <laughs> yeah, yeah um cleaning up so i think she got the gist of it like this is not that easy right. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and it's not just cutting hair no right yeah and you know she saw how it was and i think that's what made her decision um to go elsewhere yeah um and yep. I'm happy with what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> now she's saving lives. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, she's doing that's great. right. I'm making people beautiful and she's saving lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that was like, I worked for my dad. He, uh, he like owns an electrical company around mm-hmm. Rhode Island. And um, he made me, I was, it was one winter I came home from college and I would, you know, work on the breaks. And I pull up to a job site. It was probably like negative 10 degrees out. Yeah. These guys are trying to dig a ditch. Yeah. Like, frozen ground right. with a shovel and i was like yeah i'm never gonna be an electrician i went back and told him like not doing it yeah. <laughs> he's like i'm going yeah. back to school <laughs> exactly that's the best way yeah to to get you to see what, what it's, it's like. like yeah yeah so get it. Yeah. um so this is one question i had written down that i thought was interesting um a lot of the guests we have on have really built their business in the last like 10 or so years where it's basically all been in the digital age What's the perspective from you, from someone who built it before the digital age really started and like print was big and maybe TV commercials? Like what were some of the things you did to advertise and market where you didn't have Google and Mm -hmm. Facebook and social media advertising? Uh, For us, the best advertisement is your work Hmm. and it's word of mouth. Yeah. You do a good haircut, you're going to tell the next person. Yeah. You know, or somebody sees you. Or like hey, how good it looks. And they say, yeah, oh my hey, God, that looks you? so good. Where yeah. did you go? And mm-hmm. that was what we worked on. Yeah. And that, that was our thing. Like, we got to do a really good job mm-hmm. to get more clients. Kind of like your work speaks for itself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's you, something even we, we fall into is, um, mm-hmm. like, I, I wouldn't say we do a ton of, like, like, social advertising. Like, we put stuff up on social media, but, um, I mean knock on wood, like we've been really grateful to have a lot of like word of mouth clients Mm -hmm. and word of mouth, like referrals from whether it be friends or just other connections. Yeah. I mean, I, I think your work speaks for itself. Like you said, um, the other thing that we also used to do back then, we would make flyers and we would put it on cars. (laughs) Nice. We would do that. Like people would go to grocery stores and stuff and put flyers in the car, like on the windshield. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we used to do some mail outs. Yeah. Um, another thing that we used to do was, let's say it was Mother's Day. We would advertise and say, um, you know, like if you're a mother, bring your, um, like come in and we'll yeah. give you a, a, a free haircut. Or That's the cool. other thing was on their birthday. Yeah. We would okay. give them a free haircut. That's so, cool. You know, like with their license or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that was another way. Uh, with myself, my, actually, I used to, work for a guy his name was George Allen he was a great stylist yeah and I started doing a lot of his clients kids okay so that's how I started like pretty much was doing their kids and then going on to like their older kids or to them or they're whatever. gonna grow up eventually too yeah. right yeah, yeah, right. Clients. yeah. <laughs> and today obviously now with social media with Instagram um, you know we have one girl in particular that she does a lot of that Mm-hmm. So she gets a lot of clients through that. That's good. Yeah. 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 Not yeah. to mention like people who like, I'm definitely an advocate of um, like if I go somewhere and get like a really good sandwich, like mm-hmm. I'm going to rave about it on social media. And I know 
a lot of girls are like that. They get a great haircut. Yeah. They're going to be, oh, selfie. Here's my yeah. new haircut from Salon du Jour and East Providence. Like, that's another way to do right. it. Um, our, like, our diva business has expanded like crazy because of that. Now, what's a diva business? Uh, it's diva cuts. Diva what cuts. it is, it's for curly hair. And it's a haircut that you do dry. Um, you don't wash the hair before. Everything is done dry because that way we know the, the position of the curl, how the curl pattern. Um, so, and then we teach you how to use the products and how to make your hair look good. Wow. Yeah, so it's... It must it's, be difficult. It's not. No? No. <laughs> is but it we, easier? We are, actually, you have to be certified. Yeah. You have to go through classes first. Is that what you go to New York for sometimes? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so in this age now of when it started transitioning to a lot of like digital advertising and stuff like that, did you see any change in, I don't know, like competition coming up that, that came from social media that anybody, uh, maybe like clients switched to, or did you, did you guys adjust or, or do anything different when it started getting really big, like doing any social media ads or anything like that with social media? Yeah. Um, like I said, we have a girl that, um, usually works on that yeah and um she posts a lot of her work or yeah. she'll post some of our work as well mm -hmm. um so we get a lot of the younger generation yeah, yeah, yeah through the social media gotcha but we still have our cushion which is the older generation that yeah. we've had that comes like in every years. six yeah yeah, yeah every four to had. six weeks and so does everybody just so I understand it, everybody has their own client list. Like you have one and then Tom will have one. And then, you know, like each person who's working there has their a, own clients. Yeah. Like the repeat clients that yes. are coming in. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And what we usually do is uh, for people that are walk-ins, uh, we go, we have a list that we follow. So let's say, you know, I'm first on the list, who, the second person, third person, fourth, like we follow Almost that like how they, it works at like a, uh, like a waitress and waiters at a restaurant. Correct. Like you seat each section, like yeah. John gets one, then Vanessa. Mm -hmm. and oh, whatever. I got you. Right. Yeah. Unless they request a certain person, oh, then okay. that person gets it. But to be fair, yeah, yeah, I think it's better to follow that. Yeah, because yeah. I could see how that could get, you know, a little jealousy or out of hand yeah. if it's yeah. not handled correctly. Right. Because yeah. that's... I mean, hairstyling is sort of like a cutthroat type yeah. of business. Um, I mean, there's you know, a lot of salons. Yeah, there is a lot. Uh, even around me, there's... Yeah. There's like two next door. Yeah, exactly. And But it's always been like that. Yeah. When we first opened up, um, there was one right next door, there was one across, and there was one down the street. <sighs> yep, so... And, you know, knock on wood, we made it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So One of them closed, right? All of them closed. Oh, they all did? Mm-hmm. You guys are the survivors. You guys yeah, are the big the dog. Yeah. You're the big dog in the hood. That's crazy. Can't mess with you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, we actually, get training. <laughs> going off that, that's actually perfect. What do you think are maybe a few like strategies or um, methods that you think have helped the business grow and stay successful over different years and different um, like periods? And obviously like, um, you know, the economy crashed in 2008. Mm -hmm. I mean, Obviously, everyone still needs haircuts, but, yeah. um, you know, to, what were some of the things that you think you've done that have really... Education. Yeah? Yeah. You have to keep on going back uh, for, to um, educate yourself. The other thing is going to hair shows so you can see what the, the new trends are, what people are, are looking for, the new colors, the new cuts. Yeah. Um, if it's curly hair, that's in. If it's straight hair, um, it, it, it's huge. And then um, getting to know the new products that are coming out, you have to keep on educating yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you if you don't educate yourself, you're going to be in that rut. You yeah. only know about these certain products. Right. You only know how to do this haircut a certain way. Yeah. So and people are out there and seeing different things. Yeah. Especially with social media, there's like so much out there. Yeah. People are more educated today. Staying up with trends and yes. stuff. Yeah. And even with styles in general nowadays, people do some crazy stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, yeah. why the heck are you doing that? But right. it's because that's what's cool right now and that's <laughs> right. what's in. So you right. got to figure out how to do it. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Even if you don't do it that often, you should know how to do it because right. in the rare occasion, you might get someone that's yeah. going to ask you for that. Yeah. And so then they might become a repeat customer for yes. a couple months. Yes. 
Huh. Yeah, no, you don't want them a couple of months. You want them forever. Forever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying trends. You know, yeah, they'll yeah. last a couple That's months. That's right. I imagine yeah. it's similar to like. I mean, um, I feel like it's probably similar to every industry, but like ourselves, keeping up with like the most updated cameras, even. You know, it's not like we have to buy every single new camera that comes out, but at least like knowing it and being educated and like, oh, is our stuff good enough? Are our yes. computers good enough? Staying up to date with the new video trends and like what's going on in marketing. Like it's, uh, you know, translates to every kind of industry. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Cool. What's easier for you, a male haircut or a female haircut? <clears throat> or does it all depend on what they want? It depends on what they want, but um, female haircuts, haircuts are easier. Easier. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. You would think not, yeah. but yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Um, how have you dealt with um, like inflation and pricing with haircuts? Um, because I mean, you have like, uh, I guess in a sense, like big box chains, like supercuts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That you know, uh, that's where I used to go to get a haircut, and it was like fifteen, twenty bucks, and now it's like twenty one, and then it's twenty two. But like, right. how did you guys deal with like keeping your prices in line with like the quality of work you do? But also, you know, still being able to um, have people be able to afford to it. Afford it. Yeah. Um, like we watch the economy mm-hmm. before we decide to go up. Um, we do base it on uh, how products go up. Okay. Um, products do go up often. Um, I would say we probably have. We try to do it every couple of years. Um, and not go up like a crazy, crazy. Yeah. maybe a couple of dollars. Because I also think of the person that's coming in, like being in their shoes. Yeah. You know, if I had to pay for it. Yeah. yeah. So you have to base it on that, that you're not going to be charging outrageous amounts of money yeah. for something that, you know, yes, we are educated um, we do keep on furthering our education. We do yeah. go to classes and we have to pay for all that. Right. But you also have to think of the client too. Yeah. You know, like the, the type of clientele that you have. Yeah. So, but like you said, to your point, it's not like you're just raising the prices for the hell of it. Like you're going and educating yourselves and yeah. furthering the business. You're not just raising it because you want more money. You're, no. You've spent money to do more education and you feel like, you know, the work has stepped up and obviously there's inflation, but, and there's a huge difference from the haircut you're going to get from the hair salon or the haircut place connected to a Walmart compared to what you're going to get when you go to your your stuff. Example, I got a cut on my ear and my ear started bleeding when I was at a supercut. (laughs) (laughs) Has it ever happened to you? (laughs) Has never happened there. So there's a difference. Yeah. And those people usually are people just out of school. Yeah. Or people that don't further their education. They're yeah. just there doing the same thing. And, you know, they're not looking for the client that's going to be coming back every four to six yeah. weeks. Right. They're just looking for the one time. We want the client that's going to be coming back. Right. We because want- every time somebody walks into your place, you're like, hey, Deborah, how are you? Or like, hey, Joanne, how's mm-hmm. the kids? Where like I walk into Supercuts, they're like, hi, what's your name? Yeah. Take a seat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Get, maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. And, and you want to be proud of your work. Yeah. You know, that's, that's your signature out there. Like for example, I, um, I was at, I think it was at church the other day and I saw this woman by the back and I'm like, wow, hair looks really good. Not like I didn't even recognize her. She turns around. It was my client. No, (laughs) I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. That it feels good. That's funny. Yeah. That's cool. Um, what would be, I don't think there's any bigger compliment than that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's cool. That's awesome. Um, what would be your advice to maybe um, younger business owners in general, maybe like ourselves, and then um, some advice to um, stylists that are just starting out that want to either get into uh, doing it more or maybe start their own place or something like that? Okay. Um, I would say when you're looking for a job, first of all, try to get yourself into a good salon. Yeah. Don't minimize yourself by going to the little the little guys sure i don't want to name names but yeah yeah, like go into the the type of salon that you think that you want to stay with Mm. because if you start with you know let's say super cuts that's the type of cuts that you're going to be doing all the time 
Like so, go somewhere that kind of represents your, you. yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah. Um, as far as like the businesses, what was the other question? You had? Um, like, uh, younger business owners, like maybe from the business perspective, like mm-hmm. what would be some advice? All right. So, um, don't start out at the top, mm-hmm. start out like low and yeah. you could always grow. Yeah. You know, there's only one to be successful. You know, you keep on going up. Yeah. Once you're up there, the only way is down. Yeah. So grow slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't have to get the best of everything at the beginning. Yeah. You know, like start small and then grow yourself. Yeah. That's how it worked for me. Mm -hmm. And so it's been working so far. It's been working. Yeah. It's been a long time. Cool. Uh, any, any final words? Um, it was great that you guys had me here. Cool. Um, it's a great way to advertise. We love our salon. I love what I do. Um, all our stylists, they're all very, all of us are very well educated. Um, and we look forward to seeing anybody that wants to come in. Cool. We're yeah. Good. We're what, good. Um, the website is under construction. It's almost done. It will be salon du jour.com. S A L O N D U J O U R.com. And you are where, what's your address? 2758 Pawtucket Avenue in East Providence, Rhode Island. Cool. Go check yep. her out if you need a haircut. Say yeah. hello. Tell her Mike and Mike sent you. Yeah, I just think it's a really cool story. Yeah. You know, coming from where you came from and yeah. building this whole thing up um, yeah. and the switch of careers. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's cool to see behind the scenes a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah, it was funny when I told Mike about it. He said, it's kind of like the epitome of the American dream. Like <laughs> coming here from another country, right. building a business, building a family. Do what you love doing. Yeah. yeah. And if that's what you love, go for it. Yeah. And that's what I did. And like I've had the family support. Um, which that plays a big role. Uh, If you have the right staff, you'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Family, including the one and only (laughs) Logan. (laughs) Hi, buddy. That's right. Say hello, Logan. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's all right. You can go back. Thank you guys for listening. This was episode 18. 19. 18. 18. 18. 18. Uh, Stay tuned for next week's. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. If you have any questions for us, as always, uh, send us a message on Instagram at up in your biz pod, uh, follow along, screenshot us, tag it, uh, send it to your friends, your family, your mom, your brother, let them know what we're listening to. And, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it and have a great week. <laughs>